0: Hey, this is Caleb Clay, associate pastor of Anchor Faith Church here in Valdosta, Georgia. We want to thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We believe that it will minister to you and be a blessing to your life. Now get ready to receive a word from God. Because when I think of joy, who thinks happy? Honestly, I think happy. Or glad. Or rejoicing. I mean, all in the scripture, over a hundred and fifty some odd times in the Bible is the word joy reference, and even more if you throw in rejoice. And so it's all through the Bible, New Testament and Old Testament. And so obviously, there's a big emphasis on joy. And so I started looking at this, and the first scripture I want to go to is James chapter 1. James chapter 1, it'll be up on the screen. I got multiple translations. But we're going to go to James chapter one, verse two. And it says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. And it says, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And I want to pause right there for a second, because my wife had told me a while back, she said, you need to make sure that you always bring kind of a, light and happy message. Cause a lot of your messages are always like doom and gloom and the rejoicing of endurance and coming through here. And so I told my wife where I was going to go and she goes, what is this message going to be about? And I said, it's going to be about joy. I promise. I promise. But it's going to be about finding joy in trials. And she's like, are you serious? I said, Hey, that's where we're going. Because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so I started really pulling on that scripture again, going, okay, what are we missing as believers?" And so we read on a little bit further in verse number four, and it says, let, And letting endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. And so for me as a believer, I don't want to lack in anything. If I feel like I'm lacking i anything, I'm, let him ask of God to go and find more wisdom. And if you read on, it says, if anyone's lacking wisdom, let him ask of God, and he'll grant you that wisdom. But for me, I was sitting there going, okay, well, how can I, as a believer, have joy all the time? How can I, in every situation, find joy? And the one thing that the Lord told me was, it's all in your perspective. It's how you look at it. I said, hmm, okay. Let's, let's figure out this perspective then. So, Lord, how do I see it the way that you see it? And he took me to, let's go, hmm. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. Just turn over a little bit. It's right there. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number one through three. And I'm going to read this in two different translations. But let's read it in the NASB. You got the NASB? There we go. And so it says, uh, let's bump to verse number two. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who had endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Do you have the Amplified version? Do you have that one up there? Do you have it? Ooh, let me have that. I think he has it too, possibly. But I love what the Amplified says. Here we go. Verse number two. It says, looking away from all that will distract to Jesus, who is the leader and the source of our faith, giving the first incentive of our belief and is also its finisher, bringing it into maturity and perfection. He, for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, endured the cross despising and ignoring the shame and is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And I love how the Amplified reads this because he says here, he says that for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him, he endured the cross. And so as I was looking at this in scripture and pulling these verses out, I started realizing Jesus knew the end result. Obviously, we know the story of Jesus in the garden. And when he's sitting there and he's asking the father, father, if there's any other way that this cup could pass from me, let it be done. He said, but Lord, it's not my will, but your will be done. And he, he lined up his own physical will and said, Lord, whatever the cost, I'll do it. He said, because I know the end result. I know what's gonna happen if I obey to the end. And one of the biggest things that was drawn that I saw in scripture is that crucifixions were never something to rejoice about. It was the worst that the Romans could come up with for a cruelty. And I mean, these were the lowest of the lowest of all of the thieves. And yet we have somebody who's perfect, who's not done anything wrong, who was sinless from the beginning, yet is looking at this, horrid just way of death but yet has a different view of it than what we see because he's looking at it not at what he's going to lose but it's what he will gain for us what the end result will be for not him but us he said that he endured the cross and so when i was seeing this i it just that scripture made no sense because why would there be joy in something that's so terrible. And that's when the Lord would remind me and he said, because I knew what the end result was gonna be. I knew what obedience would lead to. And that's one of the things that we as believers get stuck in this rut of, we get focused on our sight. We see what's in front of us. We see the situation that we're in and we lose sight of the big picture. We lose sight of that this is just temporary. This is just a small affliction This is just a moment that's gonna move on. And for us, it's really hard for us to get our minds wrapped back around God's big plan when we're in these trials. Because I don't know about you, but I've been in a trial before where I thought, Lord, when is this ever gonna end? Is this ever gonna end? Is it ever gonna get different? And I lost track of what's the goal? What is the main thing? And one thing I had to learn a long time ago is that when you're in a test, you better pass that test because if not, you got to take it over again. You better learn what you need to learn in that moment so that way you can mature and become perfected in Christ and then learn from that and grow on. So many times we have this mindset as a believer that we come into the kingdom, we come and we make Christ our Lord and everything's going to be perfect. But scripture doesn't tell us that. Scripture actually tells us that the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. And that there's going to be a lot of persecution. But even looking at the disciples, every time they talked about persecution, they had a mindset about it. They were joyful. They consider it an honor to be persecuted for Christ's sake. A lot of them even died and still chose it as an honor. Because they said, we're doing this so that Christ can continue on. We are so thankful that we get the opportunity to share Christ. And even whenever Paul was ministering, they would t- try to tell him you can't minister anymore or we're going to throw you back in prison. We're going to kill you and all this stuff. Guess what Paul did? He said, okay, went back and started telling about Christ even more because he found joy in the trial. And so when he's reading here and we see that Jesus had to counter all joy, Well, then I was reading on and I found out that we have the same joy Jesus had. As a believer in Christ, born again, spirit-filled believer, we have the same joy. And I've always seen this scripture, and let's go to Galatians chapter five. Galatians chapter five, verse number 22. Obviously, this is the fruit of the spirit that we all read and know about. But which one do you have? Yes, I like this. Is that NASB or is that NLT? Okay, okay, good, good, good. So I love how the NLT reads this because the New American Standard Bible just says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such thing there is no law. But the NLT reads it, and I love how it starts off. And it says, but the the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Because we have so many believers out there that are trying to do it on their own, but yet we were never designed to do it on our own, but we were designed to have the Holy Spirit produce it within us. And I love this fact, too, is that we always want to say the fruits of the Spirit are this. He never said they were fruits. He said they are a fruit. One. So we categorize them all as multiple different fruits, and we break them up because of teachings. But really, the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in your life. That is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And so we want to, as believers, we want to separate them and say, well, I need more joy. I need more peace in my life. No, you have it. You have the fruit of the Spirit. It's one fruit. It just has multiple aspects to it. So you don't need more of that. You have it. You need to tap into it. You need to now release it by faith. Because we have everything that, did you know Jesus has already done everything that he's going to do on this earth? He's already done it all. It's done. He's not down here doing a brand new work. God's already completed it. He has said, it is finished. I am sitting down. And so he sat down. He said, I'm done. Now, the biggest challenge for believers is now this faith realm. And we know that, obviously, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And so we now have this job. You have a job. That is what God says in this word. You now have to, by faith, believe in something you don't see. Call it from heaven to earth. Sounds kind of complicated, but it's real easy. Jesus even talks about it and where we're going to go next. Because he says, I want them to have everything that I have. Do you believe that Jesus operated by the fruit of the Spirit? Absolutely. His life showed it. It was produced within him. And so when we see this scripture, we know that God is wanting to work within us. He's wanting to show himself strong. He's wanting to operate so that you can have joy in every situation. Not just joy, but peace. Self-control, gentleness, the whole aspect of it. He says, it's yours. You have it. You just have to now pull it in. But where we lose it is we hear it, we understand it, but we never apply it. Now we'll throw out this one. How you apply it is you use it. So you wanna be joyful? You're gonna have to pull it down when it's not a joyful time. You wanna walk in love? You better get ready. Because there's gonna be some opportunities for you to walk in love when you don't feel like it. You wanna have peace? You better understand who's your source and who gives you the peace because there's gonna be some situations that aren't peaceful. But that's the greatest thing about the Holy Spirit is he's with us. Jesus even said, you know what? Wait here, don't go anywhere. I'm gonna send you somebody. I'm gonna send you a helper. Because he said, you know what? It's great that I'm with you, but it's better that I leave. It's better that I go to the Father so that way I can send you the one that you really need. You've been with me for three years. You've been walking hand in hand with me every day and night, but you don't need me. He said, you need, you need who I have because Jesus himself didn't do any works until that day he was baptized. And that's that day that it says that the Holy Spirit descended down like a dove and what God's voice was heard and it said, This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Because Jesus knew they got to get what I have in order to do what I'm doing. But the greatest thing is is that he even told us in scripture, he said, greater things will you do. Well, the only reason we can do that is because the Holy Spirit is now with us. And so let's go over to John chapter 15. By the way, we're not going to be here long tonight. I don't have a really long message I hope it's encouraging. I hope you're going to walk out of here with a greater understanding that you can have joy. But here's how we get it. Here's how we get joy. Here's how we choose joy. We can have joy in every situation, every trial, every tribulation. And it says, count it all joy. Oh, before I go there, I don't have it in there, but I'm going to read this because it was really good. Going back to Galatians 5. Stay in John 15. Just stay there. But... Jerry Ann was using a translation on Sunday called the Passion Translation. I've been reading it. Phenomenal how it re- words things. But just listen to the fruit of the Spirit through the Passion Translation. It says, But the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions, joy that overflows, peace, whoa, peace that subdues, patience that endures, Kindness in action, a life full of virtue, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Never let the law above these uh, qualities for they are meant to be limitless. Love how it says that, because that's what we have within you right now. Everybody say, I have it right now, right now. Because as a believer, when you confess Jesus as Lord and you receive the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in you, this is yours. This is what you have available at all times. It doesn't matter if it's three o'clock in the morning and all of a sudden you wake up in the middle of the night. You have these. You just have to release them. And that comes from actions, your voice. Your voice is a great activator. Either life or death is in the power of the tongue. You choose what you will do with it. Because either you can speak out life or you can speak out death. And it's one of those things that it's very, very, very small. That We don't even think about it that much. We say things all the time. Well, I just didn't mean it. No, but you just created it. Because in the beginning, God spoke. He said, let there be Light And there was, he said, let there be this, let there be that, let there be, because he knew that there is power within our words. And then when he came to me and you, he said, we're going to make them in our image and our likeness, let them rule over. And when he said that, he now pulled himself out of the equation of this earth. So here we are. Everything that he made all those six days until Adam, go back and look. When you see he created Adam and the moment he placed him in the garden, he said, your turn. Go name the animals, all of them. You give them names. You're going to tend the garden. You're going to keep it. You're going to watch over it. You're going to multiply. You're going to fill the earth. He didn't say, I'm going to. He said, it's your job. From the very beginning, God said, I want you to be an extension of me. That didn't just mean creating things or just living on this earth. He said, I want you to have the same love, the same joy, the same peace that I operate in daily. That's yours. And in the very beginning, we know that Adam and Eve were in this perfect world for just a little bit. And then all of a sudden, what shows up? Deception, the devil, the tempter shows up. And I was teaching a class not too long ago. And we pulled out that the first time that fears mentioned, they were afraid, was right after the fall. Fear. Fear is the opposite of peace. So when they shifted, the fruit wasn't being produced in their life anymore. They could see it. They looked down and they said, oh man, we are afraid. We are naked and afraid. And they said, we have to clothe ourselves. We need to start providing for ourselves. Because God can but we obviously know the story. God kicks him out of the garden, and he starts this plan of redemption. He says, all right, here's what's going to happen. Man, this is what happens. Woman, this is what happens. Serpent, this is what's going to happen to you. And he starts a plan, and we read it through the entire Old Testament until we get to Matthew. And then we see his plan show up in motion. And Jesus shows up, and he comes through the virgin birth, And even with Mary, scared out of her mind. But if you go back and you read the story again, I guarantee you, go look at how many times it says rejoice or found joy or had joy. Go look at that. Go find it. Matthew, Mark, Luke talk about it all the time. The joy. And it's crazy because when you read it, they were in moments that really didn't have a lot of joy crazy times that they were living in. I mean, babies getting killed. I mean, situation's bad. But yet, they found joy in the moment because they realized we have a purpose. We have a plan. We know the end result that's coming. So for us, we have to find that plan. We have to find that end result or it's gonna be kind of hard to have the joy in the moment because we don't know why we're in that moment. I mean, when you don't know what's going on or why things are happening, it's really hard to wrap your mind around, I can find gladness. I can have a position that I'm thankful. Thankfulness goes away when you're looking at bills piling up and going, I don't know how to pay this. I don't know what's going on. I gotta get a solution. But did you know God says he's our provider? Those aren't just words on a page. Those are a reminder for us that he's still the provider. He still takes care of all of our needs. And so we have to then remind ourselves, hey, it's, it's gonna be okay. I'm connected to the source. Before I go to John chapter 15, quick little story. I was talking to an individual the other day and there was a lot of waiting. They had a big event coming up. They were wanting things to happen and it kept getting pushed back. Delays after delays after delays. And you could tell the frustration was really setting in. They got timelines now that are getting real close. And I had to remind them because for me, it's easy. I'm on the outside looking in. I'm not in the middle of everything. So I understand their frustration. I'm talking to them. I'm encouraging them. And they're like, well, you just, you're not here in the moment. I said, and I'm thankful I'm not. I said, because now I can tell you what I see on the outside. I see a situation that could be a whole lot worse. I see a situation where God's hand is still moving that it could have stopped, but yet it's still working its way through. Did it happen in your timeline? Absolutely not. We're about a month and a half going on almost two months past your timeline. But guess what? God's still moving. God's still working on your behalf. He still thinks about you every second of every day. He still knows the hairs on your head. And he still takes care of your family. I said, y'all homeless? No. I said, y'all got food in your fridge? Well, yeah. Y'all still driving your car to work every day? You got gas? Well, yeah. I said, great. Sounds like you're doing a whole lot better than most people in America without God. Honestly. I said, but here's the thing is I'm looking at a different perspective. I said, I've been there. I've been in those situations before where, yeah, I think it's the end of the world. I think it's horrible, but yet I get a reminder from somebody on the outside that says, hey, I'm going to remind you of this. And I remember when we first moved to Valdosta, I got a phone call, and it was from a gentleman at our church down in St. Augustine. I mean, I used to spend time with him. He had the best house in the world. He had about seven barns just filled with old stuff. I mean, cars, signs, all this other stuff. I would beg to go hang out with him. Just let me come and just walk around and stare at everything. I'll help you with cars. I'll do whatever. But this man was, I mean, he operated in some of the prophetic gifts, but he was a phenomenal man of God. And I remember we had just been up in Valdosta for probably, I think maybe two, three months, just getting in. And it was just the honeymoon stage. We're excited. We made it. We're here. And he called me and he said, hey, How's it going? I said, oh, it's awesome. We are here. He goes, yes. He goes, let me remind you. He goes, I was praying about you the other day. And he said, and the Lord wanted me to tell you this. He said, just like David defeated Goliath, he said, you've defeated a lot of giants in your own life. He said, you need to write it down, not to remind the Lord, but to remind yourself. He said, because you'll need it when you face another one. So I was like, okay. I didn't realize how true those words were until you start getting into some giant slaying seasons. And when you get in those moments, it's easy to find joy when you go back and you go, huh, look what God brought us through this last time. God can do it again. He will do it again. He said he will. So his promises never fail. They still stand. So as long as I stay connected to him, he'll do it again. And then all of a sudden the next trial comes. And where we fall short, and even the Israelites did this, the Israelites would come out and, I mean, God's hand would move on their behalf, bring them out of some crazy stuff. And then all of a sudden they get into a new season. I don't think God can do it again. I I mean, he brought us out of here, but here we are now and we have no water. We have no water, people. And yet we do this as believers nowadays, where we come out of a trial and we talk about and we rejoice and we tell about all the triumph we've had in Christ, and then all of a sudden the next trial comes, and there we are. Well, I'm just I'm just fighting this battle. I'm just no, no. Rejoice. God, the same God that brought you through the last trial is the same one that's going to bring you through this one. But here's the key: here's how we do this. You guys want to see? We got two more scriptures. Two more passages, let me say that. And then we're wrapping it up. Here we go, John chapter 15. John chapter 15, verse number one. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. And you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. But here's the key right here. Verse number four. It says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. And this word abide literally means to become a part or to um, to be, to exist, to continue, to dwell, to rest so when we think about this how many times are we going back through and resting in the Lord or let me ask this one how many times are we continually being in this continual state of being with the Lord cuz life gets busy sometimes real busy and all of a sudden you miss one day of Bible reading Quickly, it'll turn into a month. And that's that's a lot to catch up on. Just trust me on that one, okay? Don't do it. Just stay with it every day. It's a whole lot easier. But this word abide to rest, to dwell, to exist, to continue in him. Be with him. It says that the branch cannot bear fruit outside of it. It says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up and they gather them and they cast them into the fire. And here's the thing, is when they are cast into the fire, they are burned, they're destroyed. There's no more. But here's what Jesus says. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask, what does that word say? Next word. Whatever you, what? Wish, and it will be done for you. And so if you abide in him, and it says here, my words abide in you. So in order to have joy in every trial, In order to have peace in every situation, I got to ask you, where are you connected? Because your connection determines your output. We have a lot of cables running back there to those computers. I will be the number one or the first person, whatever you want to rank me as. I don't like technology. Pastor Mark can tell you this. Technology does not like me. I think I'm the only one in this church that's actually broken a TV before. How that happens, I don't know. But here's the thing, is that those connections back there are a source for what's running up here. We had a fun, joyous time running cables from there all the way up the ceiling, all the way back down there to connect our sound booth into these beautiful lights you see on the wall. Only to find out one thing, we ran them all backwards. So we're looking at them and we're like, okay, is there an adapter we can get? And they come back and they say, it would be better if we ran a completely different cable and we just started over from scratch. This is after, I don't even know how long it took us. But here's the thing, we all got back up there, we rejoiced because what were we doing? We were counting all joy because now we have lights on our stage. Without our old stage, we didn't have nothing. I mean, we had lights that we plugged into the wall every service to turn them on. But we knew what we were gaining. But see, even in this building, there's been moments where you have to counter all joy because we went from a tiny little 4,000 square foot building that was done. I mean, we had maxed out the capacity. We had maxed out the walls. I mean, it was done. There was nothing more we could do. Then we come over here. We're still working. We're still doing stuff. I still look around. and I'm like, wow, there's so much more to do. But I rejoice because I'm excited for the end result. What are we doing this all for? We talked about this on Sunday in our huddle, is that this whole thing, all this that you see, means nothing if there's not people sitting in these chairs. We're doing it to get these filled up. These are not just a number. This is a person. This is somebody's life that's going through a trial that needs what we have. It's somebody who's going through situations just like you that needs to know what you've been through. And so it makes us wonder, what's our source? What are we connected to? What am I bearing fruit of? Because all this fruit he talks about goes back to the fruit we talked about earlier. Joy that overflows, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action. Those are the fruit that we produce when we stay connected with him. Let's finish reading and then we'll wrap it up. Verse number seven, it says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. My father is glorified by what? this. God takes pleasure. He is glorified when we come to him. We ask him to help us. When we say, Lord, I need this. I need peace to flow right now. Then peace flows. God says, you got it. It's already yours. Here, tap into it. Use it. And then we go on. And it says, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. Just as the father has loved me, I have also loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in in his love. These things I have spoken to you. You ready? This is it. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. The message Bible talks about how your joy will overflow. God's not just interested in just this fullness or let's, let's top it off. He's interested in overflow. That's what he's always been. But see, the only way we get his joy in us is we stay connected to that source. That's why I love Wednesday nights. Wednesday nights, Bible study. We get to come together. You're separating yourself from the middle of the week saying, I want to hear more from God because you are interested in staying connected to your source. Now we'll say this, what he's talking about here in verses one through 11 is not Sunday, Wednesday. It's not. It's every day waking up, starting your day off, saying, God, good morning. How, how do you want, what do you want me to do today? And I'll be honest, it's hard for me sometimes. Sometimes I like that snooze button. And all I've heard all this year, I will, I will stop the snooze button, I will stop it. Because everybody says, oh, what a great way to procrastinate first thing in the morning. <laughs> oh, great. Procrastination's got to stop. But you see, <laughs> we all get in these moments and the busyness of life, it will speak real loud. But this is where you have to cut it off. You have to cut those things off and allow God to prune those things and allow him to produce much fruit. Because this is his desire. He wants your joy to be overflowing, not just in the good times, but also in the trials. In the times where you think, man, I don't know how this is gonna turn out. It's always good to have somebody to come alongside you and help remind you. you got to get that person that you know. They're not going to tell me what I want to hear. They're going to tell me what I need to hear. They're going to tell me the word. I'm not here to pet your flesh. I'm here to help your flesh. Get out. We're going to get the Spirit in you. We're going to let the Spirit dwell in you because that's what God desires. That's what Jesus did with his disciples You don't think they were sitting there going, I miss my mom and dad. I think I want to go back and see them. And he's like, you know what, buddy? Let's go back. We're just going to stop everything. No, he said, no, 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 no. You got to deny all that stuff. You got to cut all that stuff off. You got to come on. Because he was looking for people that were willing to obey and follow him. For us, I mean, there's moments where you might have a relationship that isn't the best. And God will speak to you and say, hey, in order for you to get to the next level, you you got to cut that off you got to get that bad bad influence, the bad fruit away, and you got to allow God to plant you with some good fruit. Amen? One last scripture, and then we're wrapping this up. Psalm 16, verse 11. You got it, Andre? Boom. It says, You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there is pleasures forever. He says, in your presence, there is joy. We talk about this all the time here at Anchor Faith Church. When you're in a trial, the best thing to do is worship. You're near a trial, get with God. Separate yourself, get alone, because why? In his presence is where we find our breakthrough. In his presence is where we get filled back up. In his presence is where we find joy. In his presence, we get the fruit of the Holy Spirit producing in our life. And so I really believe that, If we spend a little more time, I'm not saying hours upon hours, give God an extra five minutes. Say, Lord, I'm going to give you an extra five minutes this morning. I'm going to wake up a little early. Give him an extra 10, whatever it is, spend more time connected to this source. And you'll start watching the things around you start looking a whole lot different. When those trials come, you'll be going, huh, I knew that was coming. The Holy Spirit would let me know that this was going to happen. How do I know? Well, there's a lot of stories, even in the Old Testament. Joseph, he was able to help interpret Pharaoh's dream that said, hey, you're going to have seven great years. Then get ready because you're going to have seven really, really bad years. And it's going to be bad. You need to find you somebody who can take care of this. He wasn't saying, it's me. I got it. He said, find you a man that can do that. Everybody else is looking at him going, you the guy. You're the one that just told us all this. You're the one where God is with you. I mean, you're it. How much, oh man, thank you, Holy Spirit. How awesome would it be that your fruit is showing so much in your life that when you go to your job and somebody's having a horrible day, the moment you walk in, they go, you have what I need. I don't know why you're acting that way, but I wanna know how. Because it'll happen. He says, it will show through your actions. And I'm oh look look at this one right here. Yes, ma'am. Yes, absolutely. I was just this was stirring on the inside of me, and I wanted to add to because it's awesome what you're saying. But in the Amplified, yes. it breaks down uh, fifteen seven. If you live in me, abide vitally united to me, and my words remain in you and continue to live in your hearts. That's the key. Everything he's saying because the more we do that it gets in our hearts and so when we face those trials and we get shaken and and all that what comes out of our heart is the word and that's how we stand and we're not moved and shaken and we overcome so that's why the more you put it in and you're abiding in him when you face those trials it's not going to look the same every time because you're getting that word in your heart and then that's what's going to come out Thank you guys so much for checking out this week's message. If there is any message that you have missed or you just want to hear again, they're all available for free on iTunes. Just search Anchor Faith Church Valdosta and be sure to subscribe. That way you'll be notified once the new messages are available. Also, if you'd like to learn more about our church and what we have available for you and your family, or if you'd like to donate financially to the ministry, be sure to visit our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.